Treatise on the Love of God by St. Francis de Sales Chapter 1 Our Natural Tendency to Love God There is a natural attraction between God and the human soul. The slightest contemplation of the divine brings us pleasure. The tiniest sunbeam is brighter than the moon and stars at night. This delight we naturally have in God is the result of something innately given. It is undeniable, but it is not easy to understand. We are created in the image of God. Genesis 1.27 This makes us exceptionally attracted to divine majesty. This relationship brings us joy to both participants. Poverty welcomes generous wealth. Generous wealth enjoys helping the poor and needy. The more we need, the more ready we are to receive. It is a good thing when wealth and poverty meet. Deciding which receives the most benefit would be difficult if Christ had not told us. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Acts 20.35 This indicates that God receives more pleasure in giving than we do in receiving. Sometimes a nursing mother's breasts become engorged with milk. Though her baby ravenously accepts it, the mother experiences great relief. The child is necessarily satisfying hunger. The mother gives from her abundance. In the same way, the Otimus, we are empty and need to be filled with the divine. God's abundance doesn't really need our deficiency. It gains nothing when it pours out itself. But we need God. Our spiritual appetite cannot be satisfied by anything on earth. We naturally desire the goodness of God. A female partridge will sometimes rob another bird's nest and brood eggs it does not lay. It is because she wants to be a mother. Is she simply stupid? It is documented that the moment the fledglings hear their true mother's call, they will desert the one who hatched and fed them. This response in the young bird is dormant, waiting for the impulse that gives it life. We may be born and nourished in the physical world, but we have a latent natural receptivity to the spiritual. We respond to God. Eagles are powerful birds. Their eyes are even more remarkable than their unusual strong wings and heart. They can see far beyond where they are flying. The human soul is implanted with natural tendency to seek God. Like the eagle, we see beyond our present location. Our perception of God can be stronger than our willingness to love God. To put it simply, Theotimus, our fallen nature is like the palm tree that grows in temperate climates. They produce imperfect, almost experimental fruit. To produce delicate, ripe dates, the trees must grow in warmer places. We are naturally inclined towards God, but we remain undeveloped. We do not ripen into total love. We experience inner stirrings. But a, a little imperfect love is as far as it goes. Our desire for something better has the palsy. It can see the health-giving pool of holy love, but it doesn't have the strength to get into it. John 5, 1 and 15. We do not prefer God above all else. The apostle cried out, I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. 
for what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Romans 7, 18 and 19. Have we then been given an attraction for something that is utterly beyond us? If we have such a thirst, is there no water to drink? The truth is very much to the contrary. Our natural desire for God can be satisfied. God uses this fondness in us as though it were a handle that one can grasp. We are like deer that royalty has collared and allowed to run free in the woods. Anyone who sees one understands by the coat of arms on the collar that it belongs to the prince. In every human soul, God implanted a desire to seek the divine. It is in you. It is in your friends. It is in your enemies. It indicates that we did not merely belong to our creator at the beginning, but that we still belong to him. God has the right to claim us as his own. He has given us free will and lets us go about our own business in the world, but we are his. Our happiness depends upon recognizing and acting upon this. Chapter 2 How God in Christ Inspires Us to Love The sky gives us signs of rain. We see a red sun or a dim sun and understand what it forecasts. The Otimus, the sun, does not change colors. It constantly emits a bright, clear light. When we speak of a red sun or a gray sun, we are reporting how it looks to us. Its light is being filtered through varying conditions of atmosphere. This makes it seem to change colors and brightness. It is the same way when you talk about God. We use language that expresses our impressions of God's activity. Thus, we say that God is merciful, just, true, omnipotent, wise, holy, infinite, immortal, and invisible. Because God is busy in a multitude of ways, we give him many attributes. But God is not divided and scattered. God is unified perfection. As the sun has none of the colors we report, and yet is the source of every color. God is a single perfection, and the source of all that is perfect. God is the only theology who knows the truth about God. Not one of us can possess complete knowledge of infinite divinity and express it in words. Why do you ask my name? It is beyond understanding. Judges 13.18 We are simply too limited to unveil infinity. We use all the language at our disposal. What we say may be true enough. Without a doubt, God is all these things, but he is more than all these things. We could say much more and never finish, but all it means is this. The Lord is everything. How can we find the power to praise him? He is greater than all his creation. The Lord is awesome in his greatness. Though you do your best to praise him, he is greater than you can ever express. Though you honor him timelessly and with all your strength, you still cannot praise him enough. No one has seen him. No one can describe him. Mysteries greater than these are still unknown. We know only a fraction of his works. Sirach 4327-32 
There is no way, Theotimus, that you will ever fully comprehend God. God is greater than our hearts. 1 John 3.20 God's Involvement in Our World God had no difficulty creating a great variety of animals. His desire was to be in communication with his creatures. There was no better way to do this than to unite himself with people to implant a little divinity. He became part of us. This unity reaches its peak in Christ. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Colossians 1.16 We plant a grapevine in order to get grapes. Fruit is the object of leaves and buds. Similarly, our Savior was God's first objective. When he created a universe, it was like the planting of a vine. As it takes many seasons for a vineyard, to come into production, so our world would have to be prepared for Christ. The prophets and the forerunners made things ready for him. God does not save everyone in a general and universal way. There is great variety in the expression of his mercy. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Matthew 5.45 God attempts to reach every one of us. His seed is scattered freely, but not all of it is received well. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up, with it and choked the plant. Still other seeds fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop, a hundred times more than was sown. Luke 8, 5, 8. God offers his grace in abundance to all of us in a great variety of ways. It is our receiving it that makes the difference. A Variety of Spiritual Gifts our spiritual makeup is as varied as our physical. Each person has distinct gifts. Our diversity is infinite. The sun has one kind of splendor, and the moon another, and the stars another, and star differs from star in splendor. 1 Corinthians 15.41 So it is with people. God's grace comes in infinite variety. It is not helpful to ask, why one person is blessed in a particular way. God's grace is sufficient. 2 Corinthians 12.9 For each one of us, why are melons bigger than strawberries? Why do lilies grow taller than violets? Why is the rosemary not a rose, or the dianthus not a marigold? Why is a peacock more glamorous than a bat? Why is a fig sweet while lemon is acidic? These are absurd questions. The beauty of the world depends upon variety. Differences and what appears to be inequalities are essential and inescapable. This thing is not that thing. In the same way, in the spiritual dimension, each of us has a particular gift from God. 
One has this gift, another that. 1 Corinthians 7, 7. It is disrespectful to ask why St. Paul and St. Peter did not have similar gifts and abilities. The church is a garden with a great variety of plants. Each one has its value and charm. It is the combination of their colors and textures that make the garden a thing of beauty. Jesus wants our love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven and 38. Think about it, Theotimus. God loves us and wants our love in return. This is not something we have to work for. A response of love is what matters. This is why God implanted this natural tendency in us. Love is life. To live God's way is to love. Everyone who does not love remains in death. 1 John 3.14 God is so eager for us to love him. Issuing an open invitation to the general public is not enough. He makes house calls, going from door to door. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will go in and eat with him, and he with me. Revelations 3.20 Noticing that this divine lover at the door is not content merely to knock, he stands there knocking. He calls out to the soul, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me. Songs 2.10 He rattles the doorknob. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. Jeremiah 31, 3. Jesus said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. John six forty four. I thought of this when I discovered that Aristotle cataloged a bird he named Footless. Their legs are very short and their feet are virtually useless. Once they landed on the ground, they are unable to fly again on their own. Wind is required to get them airborne. If there is sufficient breeze, they begin to flap their wings and gradually lift into the air. We are like these poor birds. We decided to land on earth and abandon the air of divine love. It is a kind of death. We stumble about on the weak legs of our affections. We make a feeble attempt to love, but remain unable to detach ourselves from earthly things and fly again with God. Justice would be served if God neglected us. Only God's great love prevents this from happening. Our behavior excites divine compassion and causes God to consider ways to, re to rescue us. Divine inspiration becomes a helpful wind that begins to lift us again. It blows with tender forcefulness. Our thinking is less tethered to earth. We begin to soar in the atmosphere of God's love. Awakening love. We are startled when our hearts are divinely aroused. We have nothing to do with this event. It catches us completely off guard. We are not competent to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. 2 Corinthians 3.5 Our souls are energized. The princely apostle Peter was stunned by 
his behavior the night he betrayed his master. This prevented him from even thinking about the dimension of his sin. It was as though he had never known Jesus. He was as helpless as that wretched footless bird we read about. Providentially, God used the crowing of a rooster as an enabling breeze. Peter heard it, and at the same instant he saw his Lord glancing at him from a balcony at the Romans led him along. This was an arrow of love. It changed Peter. This same kind of freeing action would take place when he was sleeping, bound with chains in Herod's well-guarded prison. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. The chains fell off Peter's wrists. Acts twelve seven. We are asleep in sin, Satan's prisoner and slave. Divine inspiration, like the gaze of Jesus, comes to us like a jolt in the side, waking us. This arousal takes place in us and for us, but it is not our activity. I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my lover is knocking. Song 5-2 St. Bernard says, It is God who utters the wake-up call. All we do is receive and respond to it. We make a serious mistake if we take any credit for our salvation. Theotimus, we would quickly make amazing spiritual progress if we receive the full impact of divine inspiration. But the flow of water from a huge and dependable spring can enter a garden only in proportion to the size of the channel through which it streams. The Holy Spirit is a spring of water welling up to eternal life. John 4:14. 4, but it is not forced upon us. We must give our consent. There is a voluntary relationship between divine grace and our own will. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. 2 Corinthians 6 1. If someone who is sick extends a hand and accepts some medicine but refuses to swallow it, that medicine is wasted and useless. It is the same way when we can receive God's grace without actually receiving it. There is no result. Perhaps the sick person will take a little of the medicine but not all of it. The result is a partial improvement. When God sends a really powerful inspiration to lead us to divine love, it is important to respond fully and not partially. This is illustrated by those good people who were invited to follow Jesus. Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Luke 9:59. I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Luke 9:61. Brother Rufinus perceived the remarkable humility of St. Francis. He asked the saint to char characterize his personal relationship with God. He replied, I am the chief of sinners and the poorest servant of our Lord. St. Rufinus was astonished. He asked him how he could say such things when he knew many other committed sins that he had been spared. If God had been as merciful to them as he has been to me, no matter how bad they are, they would recognize God's gifts far better than I do and would be better servants than I am. If God deserted me, 
I would do more evil things than anyone else. Try to understand this, Theotimus. Francis truly believed an equal grace given by an equal mercy can be more faithfully used by one sinner than another. He was expressing his kinship with the great Apostle Paul who had written, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. 1 Timothy 1.15 Admittedly, God sometimes pours out an incredible spiritual energy that instantly changes a wolf into a, she a shepherd, rocks into running water, persecutors into preachers. Paul was one such recipient of a torrential outpouring from God. These are extraordinary experiences applied to only a few individuals. God ordinarily attracts us in less dramatic ways. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. I lifted the yoke from their neck and bent down to feed them. Hosea 11.4 We are not drowned to God by chains about our necks, like bulls or wild oxen. We are enticed. We are offered something desirable for which we have an appetite. God is joy. He does not need to force us against our will. He catches our attention with spiritual bait. This attraction is powerful, but our free will is not overwhelmed. Spiritual Response It is our business to respond to the God-given opportunity. Aristotle's footless birds spread their wings to catch the breeze. They will not go very far if they do not cooperate. If they continue to be attracted by something they see on the ground, they will be stranded there. The wind will have been sent in vain. They will not have seized the opportunity to fly. The wind that helps to lift the apods first ruffles their feathers. These are weightless and are easily stirred. We feel the first stirrings of God's love long before we are completely faithful to God. These are like the buds on tree limbs in the spring. The sun warms them and they swell but they are not yet fruitful. When St. Pacomus was a secular young man, he volunteered as a soldier in Constantine's army. Some soldiers were camped outside a little village near Thebes and could not be supplied with food. The citizens of that community were friendly Christians. They took care of the soldiers and with kindness and courtesy. Pacomius was impressed. He asked for an explanation of this kindness and was told that Jesus Christ. Suddenly, God was knocking at the door of his heart. God gently called Pacomius through the warm example of these Christians. He was stirred awake. His life was utterly changed. He was like a bird waking at dawn. It begins to stretch and hop from limb to limb. Gradually, it begins to sing more and more of its gore gorgeous song. The unexpected admiration Pacomius had for these Christians served as a bright ray of sunshine. God most often works gently and gradually. He draws us nearer one step at a time. The first action is his alone. He awakens us. The remainder of the process requires our cooperation. We are not forced into service against our wills. Rather than being pulled, we are enticed. As the process begins, 
we do not clearly perceive what is happening. It is like a cloudy day when we can't see the sun. A little extra brightness in the sky indicates where the sun is located, but it is hidden. We see it without really seeing it. There is not enough to allow us to say that we see it, but there is enough to keep us from saying we do not see it. This is a kind of half-sight. This dim light of faith comes to us without argument or rational thought. It is simply present. It has enough strength to make it valid. This simple revelation does not involve evidence and experiment. An academic approach to devotion can make it plausible, but faith makes it believable. Many saw the miracle of Christ and heard him teach without becoming faithful. They observed a persuasive argument, but they did not agree. Faith is the acceptance of the authority of revelation. When we step into sunshine at noon, we immediately feel the heat in addition to receiving the light. Faith's illumination brings with it the heat of divine love. We simply know that God exists and that this good God can and will communicate with us. How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Song 115. This spiritual union is the ultimate delight. The soul has at last found what it desired and can rest. We occasionally experience unanticipated internal pleasure. It comes without preparation. Often a greater joy follows it. Oh, I have been with the one my soul desires even before I could identify him. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Psalm 42, 1, 2. A falcon with its hood removed will spot its prey and begin to fly in pursuit. It is still held by a leash, and it will struggle wildly. In the same way, faith removes our hood of ignorance, and we can see what is beyond our reach. If it were not possible to fulfill our desire, we would experience nothing but an endless torment. There is usually a good span of time between our first awakening and complete faith. During such days, we can pray the same prayer one sick boy's father prayed. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Mark 9.24 Expressed in our words, this prayer means, I am no longer in darkness. My soul has seen your light, but I am not yet able to believe completely the light is dim. Lord, help me. Chapter 3 Levels of Union with God The Council of Trent holds that there is daily renewal and improvement of believers. Scripture supports this. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. Proverbs 4.18 We will in all things grow up in him who is the head, that is Christ. Ephesians 4.15 And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Philippians 1.9 St. Bernard reminds us of the text that asks, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, 
but only one gets the prize. 1 Corinthians 9.24 He tells us the prize is Jesus Christ. The only way to take hold of him is to follow him. Following Jesus will keep you moving, because Jesus continued his obedient journey to his death on the cross. St. Bernard urges us to travel with him. Because we are on a journey, there is no limit to the development of virtue. Love is the virtue of virtues. When it has an infinite object, it becomes infinitely good. Our souls continue to grow. We can love God more each day till the end of life. The apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith. Luke 17.5 St. Paul wrote, God is able to make all grace abound to you. 2 Corinthians 9.8 It is God, then, who gives the growth. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have abundance. Matthew 13.12 Theotimus making honey is the chief operation of bees, but they also make valuable wax. The loving heart will aspire to great things, but God will be pleased with similar accomplishments as well. Little things add up. The more we concentrate on our reflection in a mirror, the more intently our image returns its gaze. When God lovingly regards a soul created in his image, it returns the attention. Even small increases on our part open wider the path for divine love. Sacred love is not divided into the great and the small. Every aspect of it is beautiful and useful. The palm tree is aromatic in all its parts, both bark and leaves. Only love produces love. Everything about it is totally lovable. Theotimus, let me, after the manner of our master, tell you a parable. A great king fell in love with a young princess. While he was talking with her about marriage, she collapsed as though dead. This greatly upset the king and nearly caused him to faint. She was more important to him than his own life. His love put him into action instantly. He found some extremely precious medicine in a cabinet nearby. Filling his own mouth with it, he opened hers firmly, set lips and teeth. Then he breathed into her mouth, pouring the cordial tonic into the princesses, who seemed lifeless. Gradually, she returned to her senses. He gently helped her to sit up. After a while, she was able to stand on her feet. With continued medication and care, she began to walk alone again, holding his hand. This came to be no doubt that he was lovingly caring for her. He continued to do whatever was necessary for her. If she had started to faint again, he would have caught her. If she had en encountered any rough terrain that was difficult to walk, he would have supported her. He remained at her side. The soul is our Savior's spouse. He takes it to the cabinet that contains the fragrant perfumes mentioned in the Song of Songs. When such a soul sins, it faints spiritually. It falls as though dead. Even though God is astonished by such poor choices, he rushes to help. His mercy is beyond words. He uses a, a stinging conscience the way the king used his medication. The soul recovers. God does all of this independently of our participation. 
as the princess may have died there on the floor if the king had not come to her assistance the soul would remain lost to sin if god did not intervene if the soul regaining consciousness can consents to the assistance being offered god will strengthen it and restore it to complete spiritual health it goes as far as it is able god supports and sustains it sometimes it limps with help sometimes it is carried by the grace of god i am what i am and this grace to me was not without effect no i worked harder than all of them yet not i but the grace of god that was with me first corinthians fifteen ten the soul that can stand on its own feet will give glory to god god is the source of spiritual health and strength we live walk and work in god and by god the lord is my shepherd i shall lack nothing he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside quiet waters he restores my soul surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life from psalm 23 the mother of a toddler assists her child as he needs it she puts out her hand to catch him when he stumbles when he is attempting to walk in a smooth safe place she will let him walk around a little on his own when it is necessary she will lend a hand or lift him in her arms our lord gave us the kind of continuing care when we truly love him he lets us walk as we will but if we get into difficulty he helps us i am the lord your god who takes hold of your hand and says to you do not fear i will help you isaiah forty one thirteen. cooperating with god allows us to endure to the end of our lives he who stands firm to the end will be saved matthew ten twenty two. this is the best way some people may die after a wasted life but they arrive at port without having taken a significant voyage their pilgrimage is a single leap their enemies see them victorious without seeing them fight god's gifts of endurance and perseverance are unknown to them saint bernard thinks it better if we can say i am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, that is, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans eight thirty eight thirty nine. At the end, we will all be able to sing God's praise. I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Psalm 73 23 and 24. None of this, of course, would be possible without the redemption that is ours because of our Lord's obedience. He made himself nothing, but took the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance. As a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Philippians 2, 7 and 8. This is the source of every grace we receive. If we will be his, Theotimus, he will be ours in glory. We have the ability to be his. It is a gift that God offers to everyone. He never denies it to anyone who willingly agrees to receive it.
spiritual unity. River flows continually, all streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. Ecclesiastes 1.7 The ocean is both the source and the destination of running waters. The only purpose of their motion is to be united with the fountain that gave them their existence. St. Augustine expressed it beautifully. You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Confession 1 Perfect union with God must wait for heaven. Here on earth we are engaged, but not married. It remains possible for us to break the engagement, but our faithful fiancé will never be disloyal. This spiritual wedding will be celebrated when we die. The love that bonds us here will become eternal. What is the nature of this eternal union? It is extrasensory. The things we perceive in this world are limited by the capacity of our senses. The eye enjoys light, but not too much light. Pleasant music can be annoying and even painful if we are too close to its source. Our mind's understanding of truth can be extraordinarily pleasing. But when we are lifted above natural mental process and perceive the sacred truth of faith, we will experience unsurpassing joy. The soul will melt with pleasure. God has signed all created things. We are traced this footsteps through the natural world. It is possible here, as it were, to see the marks of God's feet. Faith can see the very face of God, but not clearly. We have a thirst that cannot be satisfied by the things of this world. Possessing some of the most valuable prizes here is not enough to quench our desire. Possessing too much can be suffocating. We can die of pleasure as well as grief. Alexander conquered the entire known world. Then he heard a comment that there were other nations outside of his awareness. This made Alexander the Great cry like a baby who had been denied an apple. The one who was in control of more of the earth than anyone else was not satisfied. He wept for more. Is this not proof that there is not enough here to quench our thirst? O oh, my soul, be restless within me. Do not allow me to be satisfied here. A mirror contains nothing that we see in it. It is only a reflection. In the same way, faith does not hold the things it announces, but merely represents them. Now we see but a poor reflection. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully. 1 Corinthians 13.12 In heaven, Theotimus, God will unite with us without any intermediary. Rather than seeing a dimly reflection, we will be joined together. Our understanding will be complete. When St. Bernard was a little boy, he fell asleep in a church on Christmas. He dreamed of the virgin birth of Jesus, like a bridegroom coming from his pavilion. Psalm 19.5 This pleased him so much that he remembered the event all his life. If a child can be so deeply struck by such a vision, imagine what it will be like when our spirits are illuminated by the light of divine glory. We will be lost in love and adoration. An owl can see clearly at night, but it is overwhelmed by daylight. 
In the same way, our understanding can be educated and trained here, but even with faith, it is not able to comprehend the fullness of divine essence. God will grant us a new perception in heaven. At this stage of spiritual development, divine radiance no longer blinds us. We will not be considering God from a finite distance, as we now do by faith. We will be immersed in the light of divine glory. In your light, we will see light. Psalm 36, 9. There is more in God's infinity than we will ever observe or experience. Fish can enjoy the astonishing immensity of an ocean, but no fish has ever seen it all. Birds fly through the air, but no bird has flown everywhere. Theotimus, our souls will swim in ocean and fly in atmosphere of divinity, but there will always remain infinitely more of God. The blessed spirit will be thrilled by two observations, the infinite beauty they contemplate and the chasm of infinity that remains to be seen.